I can see how tired you are. You're like, oh, subtracting. Some of you watch that red team up the other way. A guy sitting on the front row. We'll pray for him. Did they win? Oh, Louisville lost. I mean, that's awful. That's a, boy, I hate that. Gosh, that really stinks, don't it? Well, you know your pastor loves you, even on your worst days. You know that, right? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you wait, I'll get you. You know, last week, two-thirds of the church came up here. How many of you came up to the altar and just received a blessing from God last week? Just wave at me right now. Man, there were so many. And I want you to hang on to that. What God put on my heart for you this morning is, he said, tell them, son, I'm a God of supernatural turnaround. Hmm. I'm a God of supernatural turnaround. What's that mean? That means when you can't turn around in the natural, he's going to put his super on. He's the God of supernatural turnaround. And there's something I've learned over the years that, that's, that served me well and has got me through many things. And that is when God gives a word to me, it's my responsibility to receive it, trust it, and act on it. What I say, when God gives a word to me, it's up to me. It's my responsibility to receive it and to act on it, whatever it is that he gives me. And when we learn this truth and we learn this revelation, then we can understand his prophetic word. Because anything that comes, any word that comes from God is prophetic, right? Because it's not of this world, it's not of man, it's of God. It can come through a prophet, it can come through a friend that's anointed of God that he speaks to in your life, it can come through uh, in your own spirit, in your own heart, that word comes up and you just know that you know that you know it is God. And what I want you to realize is that whenever your turnaround begins, your supernatural turnaround begins, first of all, is when you get the word, believe it, and take a step. Because here's the thing, God gives us promises, but you and I must fight to see the promise come to pass. You know, it's just like the only thing you didn't have to fight for was your salvation. Once you receive salvation, you came to Christ, you're a new creature in him. From that point on, God expects you to stand up and to operate through his principles, through his faith, through his word. Now, the Bible says his grace is sufficient. What's that mean? His grace, we don't do it out of fear or out of works. We do it out of rest. I love what Bishop Oyedipo, our covering, he always says, you need to learn to work out of a, he says, you need to learn to live out of a no sweat anointing. No sweat anointing. What's he mean? He said, miracles are no sweat. Salvation is no sweat. Uh, uh, favor is no sweat. Whatever it is you're facing, healing is no sweat. No sweat because it's not to do with you and your grace. It's to do with God and his grace. And his grace is sufficient in all things. And once we learn to rest in that, but that doesn't mean that you can't fight. You have to fight. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, I think this, fight the 2 Timothy, I mean, fight the what? Good fight of faith. The only kind of fight you and I are supposed to fight spiritually is a good fight, and it's only one kind of fight. It's a good fight of faith. 
What are you doing? You're, you're standing. You're believing. You're building yourself. You're getting in the Word. You're, 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 you're taking everything that God has been speaking in your heart around you, and you keep it in front of you. At, like we say in Eastern Kentucky, you know, look forward like a flint, right? What's that? Like a rock. What's that mean? That means old big flint rocks out there in, in Eastern Kentucky. And just look forward like a flint, like a flint rock. You're looking solid at an anchor in front of you. And when you begin to do that, what happens on your behalf is things in the natural start getting some super on. I said things in the natural begin to get super on them. Everybody say this. My God is a God of supernatural turnaround. My God is a God of supernatural turnaround. One more time. My God is a God of supernatural Turn around. Give him a shout if you believe that this morning. Come on. And that's what I want to get in your spirit this morning, that our God is a God of supernatural turnaround. Hallelujah. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. One of my, I always say this, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I probably say it every week because I love all of them. <laughs> Amen. But I think this is such a key component when we're believing for the supernatural events in our life to take place. When we're believing for something we can't accomplish in the natural, we can't accomplish on our own, and we need God's presence and power. We need the super on it. And this is a great, great, really, story and testimony in the Word of God. <clears throat> so it says, then the Word, so 1 Kings 17, 8, says, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, who's he talking to? Elijah. <clears throat> Remember Elijah? He, he had already, uh, you know, caused the drought and all that. He spoke and prophesied the drought uh, because of uh, Jezebel and Ahab and all their false gods and all that stuff. It lasted like three and a half years. And, and eventually he goes up on the mountains and slays all their false prophets. And it's just an amazing story. But in the meantime, God had to do something to get him to that mountain where he could defeat those false gods and where he could prophesy the rain the size, the size of a man's hand, a cloud coming, and a, there was a downwash, there was a gully wash because of that. But before that event happened, he had that word from God gave it. It hadn't rained for over three years, and God had to take him to different places. The first place he took him was the brook called Cherith. The brook called Cherith. In Hebrew, that means cutting covenant. Cutting covenant. He said, go to the brook Cherith. And when you go there, what he says is going to happen? He said, a raven is going to bring food to you. Now, you know, ravens are not the sharing kind of creatures, right? We call them buzzards around here. They're looking for something dead to take and rob, steal, pillage, and take and eat for themselves. They're not going to carry food to someone else unless it's supernatural. <laughs> God took a natural raven and went against its own instinct and the way it was created out of order, out of, out of its total character and had that raven deliver food in a famine to the brook of covenant to his prophet just to show Elijah, if I can use a raven, I can still use you. What, what are you concerned about, about a drought for Elijah? Haven't I taken care of you? And then it says the brook dried up. And Elijah was thinking pretty good. I'm not doing nothing. I'm just sitting here. I got a little bit of water here. It's a drought. But I got a little water here. And these, the ravens are feeding me every day. This is pretty good. I'm up here out of all the hubbub and the stress. And all of a sudden, the brook dries up. 
And he goes, okay, Lord, what do I got to do? And then he tells him to go where? He tells him to go to Sidon, and Sidon, and that's where this little widow lady is, picking up her sticks, getting ready to eat her last meal of her son, and die. And that's where we're at. So here it says, the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath. And Zarephath, and there's a place there of Sidon. But Zarephath, oh, I'll try to remember. It was a cool meaning for that too. Zarephath, which, which belongs to Sodom. And Sidon, and there, and dwell there. See, I commanded a widow there to provide for you. What? So now you got a raven coming to me. And, and, and you got a raven coming to me. I think Zarephath means place of outpouring, but I'm not sure. But, but actually, you got a raven coming out of order feeding me. And now you're taking me to one of the hardest hit areas with the drought for over three years. And now you're going to have a widow take care of me? You see, God uses uh, unconventional ways because he wants you to know it's him. If it's something you could have done, it wasn't really God. But if, it, if it's something that he does on your behalf, that's a miracle. It's, not, it's God, but it's not a miracle. But when you have something that you couldn't do and he does on your behalf, it's a miracle. And when he came to the gate of the city, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, there was a widow there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in the jar. And she goes on to say, and I'm not going to read all of it, basically I was going to go make that and me and my son, we're going to die. So as we look at that, I want you to think about it. So many times when we're dealing with things in the natural, what we have in our hands seems so small. What we have in our hands seems so inefficient. What we have in our hands seems so little compared to the, the giant that we're facing. It reminds me of what Jesus did when he gave the little faith illustration in Matthew 17 in verse 20. And remember, the disciples couldn't heal the epileptic boy, and Jesus had to heal him. And then they said, well, Master, why couldn't we heal him? And he tells them this, verse 20. 1720. It says, so Jesus said to them, the reason you couldn't heal what was because of your unbelief. Now, when you say because of your unbelief, they had already been casting out devils, healing the sick. Remember, he sent the 70 out, sent them out two by two. They had been casting out devils, healing the sick, doing all these miracles, turning cities upside down for God. But for some reason, this one little boy, they couldn't get healed. And, and, and as they're doing that, then all of a sudden, he says, the reason you couldn't get them healed was because of what? Your unbelief. I bet they're saying, what do you mean unbelief, dude? I mean, we've been doing things that we never dreamed we could do. And he said, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Now, now what is a mustard seed? It's the tiniest of all seeds, and it is one of the largest trees grown in Israel. And it grows fast. I mean, it just shoots up in a year or so. It just is almost full grown in a year or so or two years. And a mustard seed is so small if you didn't keep two hands, you could lose it between the crease of your finger. It's a tiny, you could almost, when, you, when you, they, you first get one, you could put it, they say, a fit on the end of a needle, on the end of a needle, a sewing needle. That tells you how little a mustard seed is. That tells you how small a mustard seed is. And he said, if you have faith, as a mustard seed. That means a tiny, tiny, teeny bit of faith. What's he say is going to happen? He said, you will say, 
to this mountain. Now that word say, epo, means to declare, to declare, to prophetically speak to, to make a declaration towards. So you will declare or make a declaration what? To this mountain. And he's standing there and he showed them this huge mountain by the Sea of Galilee that it would take, you know, a day or more to climb to the top of that mountain. It's this huge, monstrous mountain. And he's looking at them and said, if you had the faith as, as much as the little teeny tiny seed, a mustard seed, you could do what? You could speak to that mountain and move it from here to there. Where was he pointing at? You can move it from where it is into the Sea of Galilee. You can literally, by faith and declaration and belief and trust in God, speak to the mountain, and it could possibly just drop right off into the Sea of Galilee. And he said, it shall move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. What's he saying? He wanted to break the limits off their life. You see, when, you're, when we're living in a place of, of we need a turnaround, there's always some limit barrier, a barrier, some kind of limit that's keeping us from accessing the promises of God. There's always some kind of hindrance, we would call it, or something deep within us or whatever that, that we have limitation, limitations that, well, maybe we believe, you know, that if we had, a big, if we had big enough faith, we could move the mountain. Well, how big is that faith? Jesus said, no, faith like a mustard seed could command that mountain to actually physically move and go into the sea. And what I want you to realize is you don't need a mountain of faith for a mountain of problems. You don't need mountain-sized faith for mountain-sized problems. God's promises are not proportional. God's faith is not proportional. And God is letting us know that his seed, his faith, what is it whenever we tap into that? Now, now, what I believe is here, he's talking about the gift of faith, and I teach about that. There's different types. There's a spirit of faith. There's, there's a mustard seed faith. There's a gift of faith. There's these different types of faith, and this, I believe, is when you tap into God's faith, not your growing faith, not your maturing faith in God, but that's whenever you operate in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, one of the nine gifts of spirit. But we do it around here all the time, don't we? You know, the same faith that it takes for, like, Abby, you just saw her in that testimony. Remember, Abby's the one that her back was crooked, and she was healed right up here. I think you were up here, Michael, when you could see her, and a lot of you saw her dress, and you, Bill Walt was here, and you saw her back straighten up. And she'd been crippled her whole life with that. And what happened is when she went to the doctor that week, he said, not only is your back straight, right, Abby, you'd grown, what, two inches or something? Two inches she'd grown. She's sitting here testifying to it. Now, if, if God could do that for you, Abby, then why would he lie and say, faith is a mustard seed? You didn't have to have mountain-sized faith for that. I couldn't, I, there's no way I could get enough faith to heal you. But if I tap into God's faith and trust it and release it towards you, there's nothing that faith can't do. I'll let that sink in, somebody. God's promises are not proportional to, to any situation you're facing. Jesus says, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, this is how potent God's faith is. And he's realizing, what's Jesus doing? He's giving us an illustration of the potency of faith and the contrast between the size of the seed of faith against the size of your mountain. Whatever the mountain it is, lost loved ones, addicted loved ones, addiction yourself, 
you know, hurt, abuse, uh, whatever it is, poverty, whatever it is you're facing, brokenness, whatever it is you're facing, loneliness, depression, whatever it is, he's saying that my faith is sufficient just like my grace is. And the size of the seed is not important to you. It's just a matter of releasing what God put in your hand toward it. Because the Bible says Jesus is what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. In the book of Numbers, it says, he said, I am God and I cannot lie. So God is not a liar and God is, it, it does not uh, have prejudice towards some believers and other believers and not. No, no. God treats us all the same because Jesus gave his life for everyone, whether they give their life to him or not, because he lo- didn't say he loved the ones that would be saved. God gave Jesus because he loved who? The world the worlds, the ages, the aeon, everyone in them. So the key is, is this, how huge the mountain is and how long it would take to climb to the top of this mountain. Whenever you look at that, and Jesus is showing these guys this illustration, and what happens is, he says, even if the mountain blocks your view, a mustard seed of faith can still give you your vision. You can't see it in the natural. You can't figure it out. You don't know how it's going to come. You don't, you don't know why it would even come. You, 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 can't even, you can't even imagine yourself that healed. You, you can't even imagine yourself that happy. You can't even imagine yourself that blessed, that prosperous. And you know what it is? You, you, you don't see what's in your hand. My God and your God is a God of supernatural turnaround. Not just a turnaround. You know, the government tries to give you a turnaround. Religion tries to give you a turnaround. Your employer tries to give you a turnaround. But that's all good. But here's what. If you want supernatural turnaround, that comes from one source, and that is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God's promises are not proportional to your needs. Because you have a mountain in the front in front of you, you can't see your future but when you have the mountain in front of you, you, you can't even see your tomorrow. But when you tap into what's in your hand, the faith of God, there isn't anything you can't see. There isn't anything you can't understand. There isn't any. God shows me stuff, and you'll hear me say it, and he'll tell me something, and I'll, I'll tell someone, well, God's healing this in you and that. I don't know the term in the natural. I just explain it, and God heals them. Why is that? I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know, you know, I say it all the time. I don't have to know how white milk comes out of a brown cow eating green grass living in a red barn. I just like the milk. Right? I don't know how God comes, his spirit and power grabs Abby and reconstructs her back and straightens it out and grows her, does all. I don't know, but, but I like the results. If I tried to figure that out, I'd never figure it out. If I tried to work it, I could never work it. The only thing I can work is the word God gives me. The only thing I can work is the faith he puts in my hand at that moment and use it. Hmm. Hmm. So let's go back to where we were back here in, uh, back here in uh, wherever I was, verse 12. I'm going to go back to verse 12. So she said back to Elijah, right? As the Lord God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. So bread, flour, it hasn't, listen, 
What does bread represent in the Bible? Life, but also the word, the bread of life, right? So bread represents word, right? Uh, what's oil represent? Spirit of God, the anointing, the Spirit of God. So she hasn't even gotten a clear word. What do you make bread out of? Flour. She said, I don't have any bread. I just have a little bit of flour in a bin and a little bit of oil in a jar. He said, well, look, look. So, so what she's saying is, I don't even have a word yet. I don't have a clue yet. I, I just got this little flour, and, and by itself, it can do nothing for me. Until it's mixed with the oil, the Spirit of God, when the Word is mixed with the Spirit of God, it becomes a prophetic declaration. When a word is mixed with the Spirit of God, it becomes a prophetic declaration. You want to know why people, two-thirds of the church was up here getting set free, getting healed, getting filled last week? You want to know why? Because of a declared prophetic word, and you were crazy enough to trust it. Supernatural September, and it wasn't even September. Whenever you begin to tap into the things of God, you put his anointing on it there's freedom. When you put his anointing on it, there's deliverance. When you put his anointing on it, there's favor, there's blessing, there's increase, there's provision. So she said, I'm just gathering a couple sticks because it must not have been much flour, right? I'm just gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Yeah, I realize this, this drought had been going on for three years. She's a widow. She didn't have anyone taking care of her. I want you to realize, you know, a lot of people say they're dying because they got a cold or something, a flu. But this woman really was dying. This woman, her, her situation, the severity of her situation matched her words in the natural. <laughs> I said in the natural. That's why you saw Isaac up here passing the bucket he just rung the bell and took his last chemo treatment this week. He was a stage three or four or whatever it was, cancer, but look at him now. But if you know Isaac, he was on a call with me for a year or maybe two at every, at once a week, every morning on our that group, and he's a word guy. That dude is in the word. That's why he's going to be preaching here one day soon, as soon as he gets his vocal strength back. But, but I respect Isaac, and then to watch him walk that out. Why? Because he, what, got the little bit of bin of flour he had in his heart and his mind, and he took the oil of the Holy Spirit, and it became a prophetic declaration over his life. And you know what else? He hung out with people that believed like him. He's in Michael and all those guys' group, a group of men that once a week, Rick Boone, all the guys, what are they doing? It's a D DJ and all the, what are they doing? They're prophetically declaring, Zach, they're prophetically declaring over one another. Every time they encourage one another, every time they pray for one another, every time they stand together, you got to find people that believe like this. You got to find people that agree with you. You got to, you need to hang out with people that believe in the super on the natural, not just the natural. Let's continue on. Down, now down in verse 13. <clears throat> and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do. Everybody say, go and do. What's that mean? Don't sit still. 
go and do. Well, there's times God tells me to wait. But when you're waiting, you're not waiting. You're still going in your heart, in your mind. You're still speaking. You're still trusting. Faith and trust is active. It's not passive. <clears throat> there's action to it or it's not faith. So it says, and Elijah said to her, what? Do not fear. That's a key. So if you want to put the super on the natural for your turnaround, then fear is the opposite of faith. What's that mean? Fear means I don't trust you, God. Fear means I just don't trust you. It, it happened for her, happened for him. It's not going to happen for me. You're right, it won't. Because you're, prof- you're taking what, what God's put in your bin and you're not putting the oil of the Holy Spirit on it. You're putting the God of this world on it. You know, there's a scripture talks about many antichrists. I don't know, first, second, or third John. I can't remember which one it is. And 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 the apostle Paul's talking about it, and he's talking about that uh, there's many antichrists. Now he's not talking about the main anti. There is one arch antichrist in the end of time, whatever. Like I'm afraid of him, whatever. So anyway, but what he's saying is there's many anti. What's that? Anti means against. The anointed one. Christ is who? The anointing and the anointed one, right? Christ is the anointing and the anointed one. So if you're anti-Christ, you're anti-anointed, anointed one. You, 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 in other words, whether it's unbelief or whatever it is, you're anti-knowing or trusting the anointed one can do what he said he could do. So if someone's an anti-Christ person, that means they're a person of unbelief. Unbelief is anti, anti-anointing. And there's a lot of people that are blood-bought, and they're going to make it to heaven by the skin of their teeth and their hair and a little chinny-chin-chin. But here's the thing. They're not going to have a great reward like a lot of people are in heaven. Why? Because they're anti-anointed people. They, they don't trust anything that's not natural. They don't trust anything they don't know. They don't trust anything they haven't seen before. They don't trust anything that they can't figure out on their own. Well, you know what? I, my little Peanut mind can't figure out much, Jay. Does know who to cheer for. But anyway, can't figure out much. But he's like, you wait, I'll get you. My little finite mind, it, it, it doesn't know a lot, right? But here's the thing. When it's tapped into the anointed one and his anointing, it knows all things. It knows whatever thing it needs to know. I mean, I might give someone a word. I gave someone a word here last week. How did I know that word? How did I didn't, her name's not in the Bible. I, don't, I didn't know about her situation. But as soon as I started speaking it, I knew it was God. Faith rose up in me, and I saw her cry and transformation come in her life and deliverance come into her life. Well, where did that come? That came from the mind of God. In other words, I'm trying to love her in the natural, and then God put the super on it. So she just came to church to be a good person, and she needed to turn around, and all of a sudden, super touched her natural. So right now, wherever you're at, super can touch your natural at any moment. But you can't fear. You can't live in unbelief. You, you, you got to get to a place where you're, you're standing, you're believing, you're actively believing, right? It's like the little Johnny in school, you know. Little Johnny stand up, get in trouble all the time. And the teacher said, Johnny, sit back down. He's in the back class. Ten minutes later, Johnny's back up, move around. Johnny, sit back down. Third time, Johnny, I t- this is the last time, sit back down. Little Johnny's like in second grade. He said, I might be, st- I might be sitting down on the outside, Miss Teacher, but on the inside, I'm standing up. <laughs> 
And that's kind of, that's fighting a good fight of faith. You, you, God might tell you to wait, but he didn't tell you to go to sleep. He said, wait, but he said, even though you're sitting down, I want you standing up on the inside. I want you standing up on the inside. I don't want you sleeping on the inside. What's happening in you is greater than what's happening to you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. Tap into that word. Tap into that revelation. The reveal, the uncovering truth of God. Speak. If you don't know what to say, shut up. Do yourself a favor. And everybody else that knows you, just be quiet about it. Unless you're going somewhere and you want true answers and you go to someone you feel has the answer that's a wise, godly person and then shut up again and listen after you tell them what it is you need. I can always tell when somebody wants my advice but they don't want my advice. They just want to fill me in on how tough life is. And they just want to fill me in. I mean, they made it, but I can't. Here's why. Oh, da, 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 da. They've wrote a story that, my goodness, that story has grown. Man, if they wrote a story of faith like that, that's a mustard seed, they'd have a mountain of faith. But instead, they got a mountain of fear and a mountain of worry and a mountain of unbelief. And I'm just looking at them and saying, you know, have a good day. I'm not going to sit here with you for another 10, 15 minutes, and all you're doing is glorifying Satan. Who, who, who are you testifying about? Every time you tell everybody, oh, I can't get any help. I, oh, God, this, oh, you know, it's always why is everybody picking on me? The world's bad toward me. Well, aren't you a child of God? Yeah, I am, but, you know. Well, maybe it's the God of this world because he's the little G, not the big G. Right. Sounds to me like you're glorifying him. I know growing up in a little church, when I'd come to church and I'd hear some of them stand up and they'd be always some of them stand up and give great, you know, little testimonies as a church again. Man, there's always one. Oh, my God, I want to glorify God. Let me tell you, it's been a week from hell. You know, my dog died. Somebody ran in the back of my truck. But I just love the Lord. Then they start crying. I just love the Lord. The Lord's been so good to me. And you know what? I think I'm going to lose my house. But you know what? He always helps me out. I'm like, man, which God are you testifying? You're not testifying. I wasn't even saved. I was going, dude, I don't want to serve that God. God can't even protect my truck. Heal my dog. Who are you testifying about? Who are you giving glory to? In other words, who are you magnifying? You know, when you focus on a problem, it magnifies. When you look at it, you take a magnifying glass, it, it, it takes the same uh, object and it makes it look appear bigger. And that's the way it is in our lives. What are you magnifying? Are you magnifying faith and trust in God or unbelief, worry, and fear? I didn't say you got to go around, oh, Lord, if I say a word, I'm going to hell. I didn't say that. That's not what I'm talking about. I fight the good fight of faith like you do. Now, I have bad moments just like you do. I used to have bad days, weeks, and months, and years, but now it's more like bad moments. And if I don't snap out of it, Stephanie snaps me out of it. She's good at that. So it's all sweet to you all. You ain't had her get on you, man. She's... And the boys in the back said, amen. Hmm. Here's what I wanted to get to. Verse 13, what did he say? Do not fear. Go and do. Everybody say, go and do. As you have said, but make me a small cake first. Ooh. She just said she didn't have anything hardly, right? And bring it to me, and afterward, make some for yourself and your son. 
You know, she's thinking, I just told you, dude, I just have a little bit of flour. I'm going to make it. Me and my boys going to eat one little cake, split it, and we're just going to die. And not only does this preacher want everything she has in her bin, he's going to have enough gumption to him to say, and it's going to multiply, and you and your son's going to eat too. She's probably like, what the heck? What's one more cake anyway, right? But, you know, God knew which widow to send him to. You know, a lot of times we feel like God doesn't know us, but you got to watch Matthew chapter 10 for all of you men and me as well. Is he not only knows you, but he knows the number of hairs on your head. And for some of us, that's getting thin. Some of us, it's gone. But anyway, Hebrews 4, he doesn't just know your heart. He knows the very intentions of your heart. So why wouldn't he know your situation? Why wouldn't he know where you're at right now? A lot of times he brings you into the place of your deliverance and you run away from it because of something in the natural. Oh, somebody was rude to me at the front door. They didn't let me do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it the way I did. I've done it like that at every other church, and that's why you left every other church after a while, right? Or they helped you leave. I don't know. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him and it's about others. And if we'll have that mindset, he'll always find a way to get deliverance in your path. He'll always find a way to bring hope and faith and love to you when it's not about you, but it's about God and it's about others. Everybody say about others. Verse 14, for thus says, then he prophesies to her, look now, for thus says the Lord God of Israel. See, he had to, you know, it took faith for her. But you imagine Elijah, like Elijah, like Elijah's like, now I, that raven flipped me out, Lord. It's kind of weird, but it worked. But I got to say, I bet it took all the faith in Elijah to tell this little widow woman that probably wasn't big as a minute, probably, you know, emaciated, hadn't eaten, had a son. And by the way, give me your last little bit of food. You imagine what he felt like? Because he didn't have the word until that. All he had the word was from God was you go to her and you ask her for her to give you bread and stuff to eat. And I mean, I can only imagine him. He probably like, let me go to the richest guy in the city. Let me go to some other place. Why are you sending me? And this little widow woman, he couldn't get away from it because she was right at the front gate of the city. He couldn't even get away from it. You imagine that, how he must have felt like, man, I got I to gotta like ask this little widow woman. For her last morsel of bread? And then the word comes. See, when Elijah, when Elijah stepped out in faith to go to uh, Zarephath, to the area of Sidon, to this particular little widow woman. See, God, you know, a lot of people get all caught up in, in predestination. But it means two, there's two sides to it. One side means predetermined by faith. But the other side means preorizo. It means uh, a pre-accurate arrangement of things. So God accurately arranges people and things in your life to bring the fate in your life that you need to have. It's not like, well, that frog jumped off, you know, on the porch and it got ran over by a car. Well, that was just predestination. No, as a dumb frog, should have been out in the pond, not out here in the driveway. Come on, somebody. 
preachers. Well, you know, they just, you know, that, that you know, they're just God didn't pick everybody. He just chose. You're chosen. No, he chose everybody. He died for the whole world and rose again. Everybody's no respecter. Read the whole Bible. Well, just read another 10% would probably help you a lot. It's become echo chambers of unbelief. Echo chambers of unbelief. I said, echo chambers of unbelief. You don't get unbelief around me. You may not like it. You may get ticked off and leave. That old prosperity, you know, faith guy. Yeah, like he don't have any problems. I tell you, I have problems. But I'm going to keep fighting the good fight of faith. So you may not like it, you know, been around here. Well, what's he got? What's he saying now? Well, you know, Gertrude, do you believe that? Well, that's why you and Gertrude fight all the time because you need to get in agreement with Gertrude. She's smarter than you. What am I saying? I'm saying if you want to get what you've always got, do what you've always done. But if you want something different, trust and take a step to somebody that's getting what you want. A lot of wisdom in that statement. Hmm. And then the word comes. Everybody say the word. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. Now he gets a prophetic word. He didn't get that word for that woman or anyone else, right? He was just going on his own faith. God gave him one word at Cherith. Hadn't spoke to him since, Miss Gwen. And now all of a sudden he's like, okay, there's that woman. Oh, Lord. Okay, little lady, I need everything you got. Go, go get me some bread. Go. I don't have it. I have a bin. Well, you're going to eat it. I'm going to eat it and die. Well, I'll tell you what. Go on, make me a cake first, and then you and your son have enough to eat. You know, and he's probably like, okay, Lord, I'm going to look like a fool here if this is bad. I'm going to look like a bad preacher in town. But then the Spirit of the Lord come on him. You see, when you walk out your path of destiny, when you walk out on the last word God gave you and you stand on that word and you just keep moving forward, it feels like nobody's with you. It feels like maybe that's a stupid word, but, but it, you know that you know it's God's word. You put it in front of people you love that are mature, and they say, yeah, I agree, that's God's word. The Bible, uh, most importantly, identifies that it's God's word. And then all of a sudden, you just take your step after step. And when you do, all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come on you in the weirdest, strangest places. And give you answers. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. The bin of flour shall not be used up. Nor shall the jar of oil run dry. Until the day of the Lord sends the rain on the earth. Woo. But preacher it's already dry. There's just a few morsels. And just a little bit. She didn't say that. She could have said you're crazy. I know you're a liar now. It hadn't rained for three years and there's hardly anything in my bin. But she didn't, did she? Now, she might have been grumbling under her breath and thinking some crazy stuff, but she's smart enough just to turn around and go. And what'd she do? So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. She didn't understand it. It probably, you know, she's a protector. She's a widow. That's her child. Everything in her would say, don't do that. But what? She did it anyway. Why? Because it's a word of the Lord. <clears throat> and according to the word of the Lord, and she and he and her household, look, not just her and her son, but the whole household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according, everybody say, according to the word of the Lord. According to the word of the Lord, which what? Which was spoke by Elijah. So, so what are you saying, preacher? You're looking for that word from God. 
You're looking for that. Once you get that word from God, that's one thing about me, and Mark knows it. People that's been around me, you know, they know sometimes I can walk in crazy faith. And sometimes I just look crazy. And sometimes I am crazy. But I walk in, but you give me, if God tells me a word, hell or high water, I'm going for it. Because that's my guarantee. That's my guarantee. Man, when we, when, when we were building that building over there at Clay's Mill, Mark, and we moved in it at nine months old, $1.2 million building, did almost 100000 renovation. Within about a year, we built a two-story addition and new parking lots, new lights, all the exterior new. I mean, we're rocking over there, and we're paying cash for new addition. We got $25,000 in the bank, and God said, it's time to go look for land to build. People, we're just two years old. Go look for land to build. Steph said, yeah, whatever, honey. God bless you. Sometimes she knows. She said, whatever you do, don't spend. We only got like $27,000, $28,000 in the bank. Just remember that. Because in Lexington, which is sad, you're not allowed to build a new church facility, a new church building or sanctuary over 10,000 square feet. It's not legal. Now, if you have an older property, you can build additions but you can't build a separate brand new facility in Lexington, at least you couldn't years ago, and I'm pretty sure it's the same. I saw somebody about seven, eight years ago go through a lawsuit in the city, and they lost a big church here. So I said, that's fine with me. I'll go find land. So we went out knocking on these guys' doors down here. The second door I knocked on was the door for this property. 100000 an acre, $27,000 in the bank. I got a... I got a, a piece of paper I showed the new members class that we're getting ready to pray over here in a couple weeks uh, of the deal me and this, this guy wrote out. He wrote it out in his own handwriting, the deal for that. He said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I want this land. This land wasn't for sale. The land across the street was. I said, I want to be above the road. He said, well, we'll talk about that. He didn't need to sell. He just sold a bunch of land. He just inherited it all. He wasn't even 40 years old. He just inherited it all. And I was like, well... We're sitting down in the basement over at that house. He's right. So what kind of deal? I said, well, I want all 56 acres at the time. I went all the way around to that brick, up behind that brick house and here. And I want to buy it. He said, well, how are you going to buy it? I said, well, let's buy it in three phases. I said, how much you want? And he wanted 150. I said, how about 100 an acre? He said, well, okay. And uh, he said, well, okay. So we're writing, he's writing all that out. And then it's like, okay, 100 acre. Remember, I'm sitting here with 27, 28 grand in the bank, knowing my wife's going to kill me when I get home. But I'm sitting there, me and my realtor, and then actually Steph's dad came to this meeting. And, and we're sitting there, and he's right now, and said, uh, okay, preacher, so we do that. What, how are you going to pay for that? I said, well, I figure you carry the front, this acreage, 19 acres. You carry it for three years, and we'll pay you a monthly payment, and we'll raise it $1,000 every month. But at the end of three years, we'll cash the 1.9 out, whatever we owe, and then we'll start on phase two. That way, I can get the finances to build the building. <sighs> okay. He said, he said, but I got to have some money for that. I mean, what are you, you going to do? I said, well, I said, how much do you have to have? He said, well, and he counted the numbers. He said, I need $360,000 before I can let you dig dirt. I said, well, give me, I don't know if it's nine months or something. I don't remember what it was. Some amount of money. Give me six months, nine months, what it was. We'll, we'll have the $360,000. Okay. He said, all right, before I sign this now, I said, What's your deposit? So we mean deposit. Well, you're wanting to hold up $5.6 million worth of land. 
I can't just let land sit here for a year that I'm trying to sell while you might raise money or might not. I said, oh, how about if I give you a $10,000 deposit? He laughed. Are you kidding me? Look, what in the world? You think I'm crazy? I said, I, no, sir, I don't think you're crazy. I said, my final offer, $25,000. He's like, oh, God, my lawyer's going to kill me. Yeah, if you can get it here by the end of the day, I'll do it. Okay. Hey, babe, guess what? Found some amazing, found this amazing land over here. Really, 19 acres, tobacco land, you know, nobody's using it right out there. Man, man, so the highest point in Nicholasville, it's beautiful. It's, well, that's good, honey. So what's the deal? Well, we just, you know, we're giving us three years. Just, how are you going to raise $360,000? Oh, I, well, honey, you know, I mean, she's got great faith. She's just got to check me, you know, make sure I'm not crazy. Make sure it's crazy faith or crazy, one or the other. And uh, I said, there's one. She said, okay, I guess that's what you're, you know, hopefully in a year we can raise that. I said, there's one other little thing. Well, what's that? I said, that 27, 28,000 you said we had in the bank? Yeah, I said, I need 25 of that right now. What? You t- she, get, she let me get it. Went and paid it, paid him for it, and the rest is history. But, but that come from a word. You see, that came from a word that God, I didn't even have a prophet tell it to me. You can receive it like that from Elijah, a prophet or a prophetess. You can receive it. It came out of my spirit, Brandon. I knew that I knew that I knew we were to look for land. I knew that I knew when I saw this land and drove on it that this was the land. And I knew some way, somehow, we were going to have this land. And we were going to build a building on it. Now, a lot of people have been happy. We had a beautiful little facility over there, seat 270 people. Just renovated it brand new, expanded it. Man, life was easy. We everything cash. Church was doing great. Had having a lot of multiple services, you know, to get everybody in. But other than that, it was, it was awesome. But God. See, see, God could let me be comfortable right there. I probably wouldn't even have gray hair right now if I was there. Probably might even have a little more hair. But God. Amen. See, see, God is not going to let you get comfortable. Come on. God's not going to let you create a world for yourself that you don't need him. And there's times, man, we're going through that time, and it's like, yeah, hey, we got 150. Well, okay, people, we, we 360 or whatever it was to... to and sure enough, there's a lot of people here that was here during that time. Sure enough, it came. That was the most exciting thing, going over and handing that check over. And then, as soon as we did it, went through all this stuff, getting loans and all that. You know what happened? I come home one day and Stephanie's standing at that front door crying. I'm like, oh, Lord, what's going on? And she doesn't cry like that. She's strong as can be. She said, you need to read this. I'm like, what? We just, the red steel on this building, it just went up. I mean, we're out at that time. $5.8 million is already promised. We've already committed 360 plus a, another half million or something from that other. I mean, we, we've got over a million dollars in it. And we just sold our building over there. We, the, the attorney for this guy sued us because he was upset that he wanted the right-of-way all the way back. And I said, that was part of the agreement. We get the 19 acres phase one and the right-of-way all the way through. And they were suing us. And I called that attorney, and we had a few words. And then I called my attorney. He said, well, it's a 90% chance you'll win. I said, well, I guess we'll fight because we can't, <clears throat> we can't lay down, and I'm not giving that right away up. 
And so I talked to the bank. They said, ah, we'll just loan you that other money. How much you need to cash him out on that front? I said, well, 360 minus 1.9, you know, whatever that is. I said, okay, we'll throw that in your loan. Oh, good. Now we just went to a $7.8 million loan. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, we just went from a $30,000 payment to a $47,000, $48,000 payment. No big deal. We're not even three years old at that time. Maybe we were three years old. then. But God. And you know what the church got for this right away back here just to let this other company in? $400,000 just to let them ride across our property. It's better Bethel have it than somebody else. See, see, it, it comes from a word. Everybody say a word. Never underestimate what's going off in your spirit. Make sure it lines up with the word of God, other key people in your life. Because a lot of times it can be the right word, just not, right, not the right time. Everybody say crazy faith. Supernatural turnaround involves crazy faith. Supernatural turnaround involves crazy faith. Hmm. According to the word, right? The turnaround requires a prophetic word from God. Again, it doesn't have to be from a platform. It doesn't have to be from a prophet or prophetess. But as we see him come to her, and we see how profound that prophetic word, the kind of impact it had. And when we fail to realize the significance of a prophetic word, we miss our window of opportunity. Yeah. There's people still wrestling with God. Shouldn't I tithe or not? I hope it's oak covenant because I'm not going to. And, and then they're not living under the protection and covering right. of God in their finances. That doesn't mean that he's going to pay your bills, but it means he's going to find a way. He's going to help you and lead you through to find a way. The other way is you learn, you grow, you mature, you sow seed, you do other things to get to the next level. But they're still wrestling over that. They're, they're not even a basic Christian yet. Barely saved. Robbing God's what Malachi 3 says. Then others learn how to sow seed. Well, if what I don't have in my hand, that $100, what would 30 times do that? It's 3,000. What would 60 times do? That's 6,000. What would nine, 90 times do with that 100? That's 9,000, Michael. Oh, there's a scripture about that that Jesus, I think, mentioned, wasn't it? Said, give, sow, and give. It says, what? As, as you sow and give, men will give into your bosom some 30, some 60, some 90, and some 100 fold return. Shall men give into your bosom? Shall people give into your bosom? Well, I just want God to have money fall from heaven. It doesn't work that way. God has his principles and his promises, and his principles and promises outweigh and outshine whatever mountain you're facing. It's not proportional. It could take, you know what that little mustard seed is? It could be one word from God. You know, we moved into this, and Mark will remember this, we moved into this facility before our sixth anniversary. Yeah. Moving with Parker, just turned one here, took our life savings and put it in that warehouse, not our life, but took a lot of our savings. By the time we got over here, we put our savings in, everything in, retirement. But, but you know what? God's blessed us. That's right. But within a five, a little over five and three quarters of a year, DJ, five and three quarters of a year, we moved in a $7.8 million facility. Yeah. From a word. From a word. A mustard seed. A word. 
Because that word is what gives you faith. You can't pray, pray you can pray all you want to for faith. You ain't gonna get number one, God can't hear your prayer without faith. It's you gotta have faith to pray. So a word. A word from God. And people staying out and missing and running around doing all this stuff. And then when all hell breaks through in their life, it starts gathering, banging, gathering, growing and growing and growing. At one time they lived in great faith. Now they don't know why their family's messed up, their life's messed up, their dog's messed up, their cats are crazy. When they used to be solid as a rock, you know why? They're not in their recovering where they can get a word. Well, I'll just go somewhere else. Yeah, they'll teach you. I mean, you can get good biology lessons and science lessons and geography lessons and you can get good principal teachings in churches but you come to this place you may not like it but you will get a word you will get a word and it will change everything I said and it will change everything it will put the super on your natural I don't get up here just to, oh, boy, let me get my rah-rah on. I mean, sometimes I like to preach and sweat. I love to do that when God lets me. But my main goal is what's the outcome God wants, and God wants supernatural turnaround for you. Supernatural turnaround. Now, this word doesn't mean it's going to happen this moment, but it did. How does breakthrough happen? Breakthrough doesn't happen at the point that you see it come to pass. Breakthrough happens at the point you made the decision, have faith for it, and you made a decision to go for it. That's where the breakthrough happened at. Because if you were waiting for it to happen, you'd never get to the point for it to happen. You had to believe the breakthrough and take a step. Today is your take a step day. Today is your word day. Today, and I know, I ask you to admit, raise your hand. How many of you, when I started talking about that word, Started coming up in your heart and your mind the things you know God said to you over the years. Wave at me. Wave at me. And, and some of that you've done, some of it you haven't, right? Well, right now, pick one of them. Because God's going to put his super on it. God's going to put his super on it. He's going to put his super on your natural. Today. Say, today. It's my day for supernatural. Turnaround, where it's relationships, family, finances. Today is breakthrough day. Today is supernatural day. This is supernatural September. And I'm telling you, the ones that came in here hungry for it, even though you're a little tired up watching ball games or whatever, you're here. That counts for something. I know sometimes I'm tired and I don't even want to study or whatever. I'll just trudge through and all of a sudden, boom, a word comes. Because I'm just looking for a word. I used to study 20, 30 hours for a message, 40 hours for a message. I don't anymore, which I've got a little bit of revelation in me. I'm just looking for the unction. I'm just looking, give me one word, Lord. That's a, give me a, I'm like a pit bull. Give me a word. Because if you got a word from God, you can make heaven rain. That's what God's talking about in Isaiah 53. You don't know my mind. You don't know my thoughts. You don't know my ways. But I watch over my word to see that it performs what I sent it to do. Say, give me a word, God. Just need a word. Gertrude, I really want that word, but now, what, what did, did he give us the steps to get that? I need to, you know, I think I got one step there. Some things you catch. 
getting quiet before God. What do you feel in your heart? What brings peace? Let peace be your umpire. When God gives me a word, I got to let peace be my umpire. 